Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if anybody, like, ever, obviously no one realizes, but Becky and I always, like, say the intro, and then we have to wait, like, like a pause. few seconds for the music to come in yeah. or whatever, and even though we don't hear the music, we always dance We silently party. <laughs> like, like I, I'm, like, and, like, fist pumping, thrust head bobbing, head banging. <laughs> yeah. But we also have to do it in, like, a little bit of a controlled way, so we don't yeah. bump any We're of like, the equipment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, whispers. <laughs> I wonder if Drew hears those and he's just like, are you guys okay? <laughs> like, are you feeling all right today? <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, that's them just busting a move for like 3.5 yeah. seconds. <laughs> yeah, you can just bust in a move. <laughs> uh, when, am I, when are we not busting a move? Almost never. I feel like I'm in, I'm in a constant state of bust a move. Yeah, no, I feel like, like I don't know, I'm always just kind of like bumping around my shoulders, mm-hmm. especially especially when I'm like about to eat food or mm. I'm cooking or something. That's your weakness. That's makes me dance mm. I, just get, I just get super excited yeah. yeah yeah you gotta that's how you express your emotions yeah yeah it's good stuff <laughs> it's fun stuff fun stuff <laughs> that's just for us <laughs> or if anyone out there got it we good job yeah. don't yeah. even say what it's from because if you even, got it you, you got it <laughs> drew gets it now he oh, finally oh, gets he? it we f- we enforced it because that's a more obscure joke from that movie yeah it's my favorite one i know (laughs) it's like my favorite one if you want to know what movie then just uh, just google fun stuff (laughs) actually don't (laughs) no no i'm gonna google it (laughs) fun stuff though i mean like i don't know what would come up exactly yeah i don't know (laughs) if you're wondering why i was looking around it's because i thought we like triggered my like google home to just like start talking in the background about fun stuff. <laughs> so let's let's move on. Let's oh, move on. All right. Well, this okay. is a super exciting episode because this is our first episode of a series that we decided to... A chronicle, to... if you will. Oh. I don't know. Fancy. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know the difference. <laughs> I have no idea either. It just sounds like a fun word. It, yeah, a chronicle. Oh, why didn't we call it... Are we changing it? Oh, man. Okay, well, we can't... You, use your instinct. <sighs> we can't now well we we can <laughs> silence <laughs> no we'll just okay. keep a series it's fine because i don't know i can't use the word chronicle if i'm not exactly sure what it means you're right you're right you know yeah oh shit okay, okay. can't you come up with ideas before we start the episode no it seems uh, like my best ideas come out once we're already recording and they usually just come out in like a spit flame and ball of fire <laughs> okay well this okay. is this is the first episode of our bleeding london series or chronicle we'll see or chronicle <laughs> we might change it honestly guys yeah. that sounds pretty good um i'll google chronicle after and <laughs> make sure it works if it doesn't work we're sticking with series if this t- title of this episode has the word chronicle in it you know becky and i went deep we went deep <laughs> And we will continue going deeper. <laughs> um, so Becky and I, so this is all, for any of you listening who, who might not be from Canada or even Southwestern Ontario, we are talking about London, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. Not London, We were both England. born and raised. Yes. That is Be- Becky and, and my hometown. Yeah. Um, and yes, I just wanted to make mm-hmm. that distinction because like 
yeah <laughs> anyone all over even when i was obviously yeah. when i was going to school in the uk like you have to i would be like london ontario canada is where i'm from yeah and like, they're london, like england oh uk but even <laughs> even in north america like again it's london's not like the most well-known town so no uh, like people will be like oh why don't you have an accent and it's like no everything hmm. literally everything in canada is named after places in the uk like it's just yes. almost all of our towns and cities all of our streets Very like true. everything i remember like people that i met when i was going to school in scotland would die because they're like wait you have a peterborough you have a cornwall yeah you have a waterloo like yeah <laughs> kitchener like everything like everything all of it that's just the way colonization works it's how it happens yeah <laughs> so yeah so this is a part of our series so there this was spawned by originally becky and i both bought um the forest city killer mm -hmm. which is a book about murders that happened in london ontario during a certain period of time so if for those of you who don't know london ontario is nicknamed the forest city yeah um it's been that way for a long time there's just a lot of trees essentially i mean like yeah not, not like the most trees in a city but like but it's just there's just trees there. We, got, we have trees. <laughs> we have trees. That's about it. That's about it. Uh, it just, it was a name that someone said and it stuck. It's, it really has it, stuck because it's yeah. been like years and years. Decades. Decades. Yeah. Eons, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Since the beginning of man. Since before dinosaurs <laughs> roamed the earth. <laughs> Since there before was even trees since before yeah exactly since, <laughs> that since wasn't before, the right order of words <laughs> since before there was even forests yeah london has been the forest city yeah before <laughs> london was even london it was <laughs> we're taking this joke too far this is too far oscar's sick of us by he's now. like snoring he's like he's you like, get that, a new joke that joke was so good i fell asleep during it he's like that was so good i'm never waking up again this is the worst um so yeah so the forest city killer came out uh, a couple of years ago like with the like pretty recently I think okay. within the last like two or three years, maybe. I have no idea. Yeah, it's pretty recent, I think. But in The Forest City Killer, um, there is another book that's mentioned a lot. It's called Murder City, mm -hmm. which is um, a book that I am now reading. And so that book is by Michael Arntfield, okay. who is um, he was he's a former police officer and he is now an assistant professor at Western University, which is in London, Ontario. Um, whoop, and whoop. yeah, and he wrote a book called Murder City about um murders that happened in london ontario between the years of 1959 and 1984 and he talks about how uh with everything going on in london and the surrounding area at the time because some of these some of these like serial killers and murderers like it was like london and then chatham or london and Stratford surrounding and, area like, yeah. surrounding area but again a lot of them originated in london or they all occurred in london like okay. for the most part um and he says that, yeah, basically between the years of 1959 and 1984, London, Ontario was the murder capital of Canada, if not the world. Okay. Because of how many um, murders and active serial killers were present hmm. during that time. He said at no idea. any given time, there were up to six serial killers operating in London. Ah, that sounds time. really safe. Yeah. Yeah. And he, again, I'm not fully through his book yet, but in the Forest City Killer, um, she does talk about, and I'm going to, oh, it's Vanessa Brown. Yes. Vanessa Brown. I was like, oh my God, why did I blank so hard? Um, she does talk a lot about how, even though all of these things were going on at the time, like, and there was some media coverage and like there were people who were obviously talking about it a little bit. It wasn't on the scale 
that it should have been. Yeah. Like, they were just saying, like, if this was happening today. It's like, today. Yeah. Imagine we had six serial killers in London Oh, today. my God. It would be it would anarchy. Be chaos. <laughs> yeah. Like, people like, would be, like, storming City Hall and the police station being, like, do something about this. Yeah. But they people just weren't. Like, I think people had this facade that, like, they were living in a safe place or they knew they were living in a dangerous place and they were just like, that's the way it is. Yeah. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah. But as far as, like places like new york or la who might have also had especially in like maybe the 60s 70s yes. 80s, the 70s 80s um you know multiple serial killers operating in and around certain yeah. areas um their point is basically that like at during this time london's population was maybe around like 170,000. Mm-hmm. so per capita there was just way more people killing than even the biggest cities in north america crazy i had no idea yeah it's super fascinating and when i well again the forest city killer i i sort of kind of knew what i was getting into but i didn't realize that like it was also connected to this book a lot because she mentions it a lot in her book mm -hmm. about michael arntfield's research and how he's just like yeah there's so many serial killers that um were in london that people just don't talk about or criminologists just don't even know about um that have like super specific mo's or just really interesting killers where he's like yeah like we talk about ted bundy all the time but there's so many other ones out there that are that like yeah people just don't know about um that did some pretty crazy shit so right. <laughs> yeah so that's we thought because again there's so many that we didn't even know about that we're gonna make it into like a series so we'll yeah. do one um, I'm thinking maybe one per month. Okay. We'll do one from this Bleeding London series. And slash Chronicle. Slash Chronicle. Shit. <laughs> Bleeding London Shit. Chronicles. <laughs> the Chronicles of London. <gasps> <laughs> All right. That's going into the name Shit. bank. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because there's there's so many to cover hmm. that I... And again, it's mine and Becky's hometown, so it is very personal to us. But for anyone listening who has no idea where London is... Um, we're hoping again that like you've probably never heard of any of these cases before so uh i think i think it's gonna be interesting yeah for sure i'm interested because like i've also like never heard of them Mm -hmm. yeah me neither you keep bringing up these things and i'm like i didn't know i had no idea i know i'm like i want to go and ask like the oldest people i know and be like so you were alive during this time like did you hear about this should we start (laughs) interviewing people (laughs) maybe okay maybe okay can't wait okay okay get get going do this all right so oh drew a blank <laughs> no i just oh. the, the bonus episodes oh oops yes 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 oops yeah okay so we are <laughs> <laughs> like oh and brain fart immediately <laughs> just i have it in my notes yeah. and i forgot okay um so we just wanted to mention that we are going to as most of you probably already already know we're doing two bonus episodes this month so we have decided that those will be on November 17th and November 24th. Yes. Those are both Wednesdays, correct? Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah. So we're thinking yeah. roughly 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know, though, if anything changes by the time this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. So or whatever you see like, written. Yeah. Or if like literally accurate. all of our patrons are like, I cannot do that. Could you do it yeah. at six or something like that or whatever? Yeah, if like, you're a patron we'll and, and we pick days that don't work, hey, tell us. Just let us know. I mean, if it's only you that it doesn't work for, then it might not change. But if yeah. everybody is like, oh, if you could do it on Thursday, that would work better. Maybe we should start voting on Patreon. Yeah, we could do votes. Here's another one of my genius ideas that don't come out until we're already <laughs> recording. 
we'll we'll leave we'll leave them for now and then we can always discuss with mm-hmm. our patrons because we want to have an active discussion with yeah. you guys we want it to be what works best for you so yeah um november 17th and november 24th currently is what we're thinking for our bonus episodes Woo woo! so write that down mark it in your calendar yeah take the day off work yeah no, <laughs> book a whole week off pamper yourself treat yourself <laughs> all right so all right. okay so let's get into our first murderer <gasps> from london dun 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 my favorite sound dun 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 <laughs> you're very good at it i'm very good okay okay so we'll start with um the first victim okay um it was a woman named jane woolley okay she was 62 years old and she was a part-time hotel chambermaid okay um, what's so a chambermaid like a basically like a housekeeper okay okay this is, i like kind of what they used to be called i don't think you would call anyone a chambermaid today no but this was the like late 60s yeah i'm sure this will be a new nickname drew uses for me when i start like cleaning the house hey chambermaid yeah for a while it was (laughs) kitchen wench that's even older yeah 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 well at least he's he's gonna be moving yeah at least yeah we're gonna move forward a couple decades hopefully (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i got yeah i got kitchen wench because i'm supposed to cook (laughs) (laughs) don't worry drew's not like a sexist freak it's it's a joke like (laughs) it would only be like if i'm cooking he'll be like get over here kitchen wench yeah (laughs) so make me a sandwich yeah yes All right. Usually he demands tuna melties, but I mean, oh, I made a tuna melty yesterday. Guys, they're so good. Oh, they're you can't awesome. say tuna melt; you have to say melty. I've actually never said melty before until right now, but I like it a lot. Like Drew will literally like, kick open the door and be like, "Where's my tuna melties?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like one of those things from like when you're a kid that you just don't, um, you don't drop. Like I still say fishy crackers. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I say gold fishies. Oh, there you for, go. <laughs> for the fishy crackers you're talking about. <laughs> yeah like it's just I, and sometimes i catch myself saying i'm like i'm not talking to a six-year-old yeah. no i am the six-year-old <laughs> okay perfect i'll say that if like for any snacks i'll be like i gotta have my snackies well yeah yeah you gotta make everything cute yeah gotta be cute guys yeah. <laughs> i can't be like this aggressive all the time and not be cute while i'm doing it yeah we have to balance out yeah. all the gore and and crime with mm-hmm. cuteness yeah exactly Hopefully it's a very conflicting relationship i'm so sorry continue <laughs> Okay, so chambermaid. Chambermaid. That's, That's where, where we left off. I'm. I have, I'll just stay quiet. That's what I'll no, do. Please don't. <laughs> um. So she was. Yeah, she was a chambermaid at the London House, okay. which was a, a hotel on Dundas Street. Oh, I know that street. I know. This is cool. Like, yeah. really I don't like it. Streets. It's freaking me out already. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> um. And so yes, yeah, she was a chambermaid. She earned about forty dollars a week. which in the book michael arnfield kind of implies that's not like a super great wage but it doesn't sound like a great wage no not for not even for 1969 (laughs) but uh on january 29th 1969 uh jane was leaving the london house on dundas street Mm -hmm. um it wasn't like the nicest of hotels okay um and you will start to see a trend here because um the london chambermaid slayer okay targeted chambermaids at like rundown kind of rundown b hotels divey kind of like motel hotel places like it wasn't the ritz yeah you know what i'm saying um it wasn't the hotel motel holiday inn <laughs> oh no that's exactly where she worked hotel motel <laughs> holiday inn is that how that song goes yeah that's exactly how it goes people probably hate when i start singing they're probably like she has no business 
singing in any capacity. <laughs> well, screw them. You're my Mariah Carey. Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, so, yeah, the so London house was kind of run down. Um, it was described by Michael Arnfield in the book as a hole in the wall, weekly lodging house for drifters and other down and outers. Ah, kind of. Gotta thing. love those places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Wednesday, January 29th was payday for all of the employees. So Jane came to pick up her paycheck. Um, it sounds like she was a little bit, maybe like a little bit of a loner okay. or whatever. Like I, I don't, it doesn't say specifically, but basically it just says that like no one knows exactly where she went after she picked up her paycheck. Um, or like she wasn't supposed to meet anybody. Like it sort of just sounds like she didn't live with anybody and like no one, the hotel staff were just like, oh, she picked up her paycheck. We don't know where she went after that yeah. kind of thing. Obviously, there wasn't much conversation going on. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. So she was described as like solitary in nature. And um, yeah, and she wasn't expected anywhere. Um, so unfortunately, just considering how long ago it was, there's no like official information on her whereabouts for the next several hours after she picked up her paycheck. Hmm. Um, but Jane didn't show up for work the next morning. Okay. On January 30th, 1969. Um, unfortunately, the staff turnover rate at the London House was apparently pretty high. Hmm. Again, just one of those places, right? Yeah. So, um, especially, yeah, especially for like part-timers. So when she didn't show up, like no one really thought anything of it. They just kind of like assumed she oh, quit. Lost without, another one. Yeah. Yeah. That she quit without notice. She just like didn't show up, which is like kind of hilarious because it's not even a sign of the times. Like, I feel like I've been at jobs before where it's just like you, hi- like not me, but like a bunch of new employees. <laughs> Haley just hired. never shows up. And then they, and then you're like, oh yeah, we hired 10 people. And then like only and six then showed up for five. their first yeah. shift. And I'm like, God, that really happens. Like, I've yeah. never done that before. Yeah. But it happens all the time. Right. That's so always fascinated like, me for like, obviously this is different because something malicious is happening, but that's always like puzzled me. The people that like think it's okay to just not show up to shifts yeah as their way of quitting no just fucking call quit i feel like i don't i feel like i would be so anxious about that i'd be oh like God. i'd be like throwing up i'd I'm be like that, i can't <laughs> i'm that person that thinks about all possibilities to you so i'm like even if it's like a job where you're like screw it like i don't need this job whatever blah 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 and you're like i'm never gonna see this person again you might though you might and then it might be like you're at a, you're at another job interview or you're at like yeah. i don't know a family guy or something and like someone something. in that situation is gonna pop up and be like oh you're the person who just didn't show up for work yeah. like you, you know piece i piece of shit i think about those <laughs> yeah oh i'm the same head. way where i'm like well what if that person becomes like president and then they just kill me because i didn't show up for work <laughs> oh that's extreme that's but, more drastic <laughs> but like you, you that i think the same thing like yeah i'm gonna run into this person in some capacity I just, and yeah. karma will happen <laughs> well yeah i just feel like you know don't burn a bridge but like, yeah. I mean, don't long burn a story bridge. short yeah, like they will kill you <laughs> long story short jane didn't burn a bridge she didn't no, just she quit didn't. without notice. no that's the that's the suspicious part but they just assumed that she did so um like no one really did anything about it like no one called her or like looked for her or anything um it literally says her position was filled by the end of the day so like no one gave her another thought after that because again it was really just sad. like yeah it is sad it's just one of those places and i guess she was just again a solitary woman who like didn't maybe didn't have a lot of friends or yeah. family around or whatever but um still check in with people yeah so basically so that was january 30th she didn't show up for work on february 3rd jane's landlord um she lived in an apartment on york street <laughs> again pretty pretty close to dundas street actually yeah. um and she 
so February 3rd had come around and, and she was overdue for rent and he also hadn't seen her in a few days. So he was like, I'm going to go into her. I'm going to go look for her. Yeah. So he went into her apartment shortly after 1.30 p.m. on February 3rd. Okay. Um, the landlord discovered Jane's body in her apartment on York Street. Uh, her cause of death was a combination of blood loss and a severely fractured face. Oh, my God. Which had actually sent her into shock. The <gasps> autopsy showed. Oh, uh, no. She was found naked except for her stockings. She was lying on her back and um, with her head and face covered with three pillows and a sweater. Oh. So um, as we kind of know from, like, uh, they wouldn't know at the time, but from serial killers now, it could be a sign of remorse. Like, you've yeah. done that, but you don't want to look at it, so you yeah. cover up her face. Um, the crime scene suggested... Again, Michael Arnfield points out that, like, we know this now, but they wouldn't have been saying this back then. But the yeah. crime scene uh, at the time suggested the work of a disorganized, impulsive killer. Yeah. Who appeared to have lost control during some sort of attempted sexual assault because she was naked. Yeah. Um, but the, but she hadn't been sexually assaulted. So it seemed like a was frenzied, unsuccessful. Yeah. disorganized thing. Like, the phone, the telephone had been pulled off the receiver, but it wasn't unplugged. Um uh, Jane's clothes had been scattered all over the apartment. The contents of her purse had been dumped out. Um, there was no cash in it. So like any of her, like her paycheck or anything like that, that was all gone. She would have hmm. probably had that on her in her house somewhere. Yeah. Um, and in addition to this, this is super sad, but Jane had a pet bird <gasps> um, and he was found dead in his cage. No, no. With And he had enough food and water for days. So apparent, no. apparently birds can just like die of stress stop it yeah so that's that's the thing is they're like it wasn't like oh she died and then she didn't feed the bird and it no. died so that's really sad now obviously. i'm sad her it was just her and her pet bird um and so i don't like that yeah i so, think we all know how i feel about animals i know i know so it's so sad all so, of it's sad but for me i'm like I oh know. my god this that bird didn't bird. do anything to anybody no, no i neither did she i'm no. sure but like <laughs> no but like the bird really didn't do anything. no um so it, it was appeared, just there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it had appeared that um the killer had like likely earned jane's trust enough to get invited inside okay there's like no sign of forced entry or anything like that um and the ashtray was full and only some of the cigarettes had Jane's lipstick on it. So some of them didn't yeah. have lipstick. So like indicating a guest for Like sure. that there was someone else. And I know I was thinking about this. I'm like, well, it could be like her old ones where she wasn't like wearing lipstick. But then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, 1969, if you're like a heavy smoker, which she was, mm -hmm. um, you'd probably be emptying your ashtray like at least once a day. Yeah. Maybe, maybe twice, depending on how many cigarettes you're smoking. So like True. likely the ones with the lipstick are hers and the other ones are someone else's yeah so that makes sense that makes sense to me and also likely if you're a lipstick wearer like chances are you're wearing it all day so there might not be really a point in time where there wouldn't be exactly your own lipstick exactly yeah. for sure um there was one neighbor in the york street apartments who offered a statement to the police saying they heard they thought they heard jane's voice through the vents saying something like no stop it followed by a dull thud um oh. but to them that really only yeah. confirmed what they already knew, which was that she had been murdered like and like bludgeoned, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, again, with the term like serial killer not really being, that wasn't a thing yet. No, it wasn't a thing. It wouldn't have actually appeared in any literature or been coined for at least another five years. Um, so there was no way for the London police to know or even suspect that this would only be the first victim right. of the London chambermaid slayer. Ugh. 
Um, Slayer so, sounds like a whole different level. I of, know. Yeah. Like I can't. I can only. All I can think of is like Vampire Slayer. I which just sounds like so like badass. But I just then, imagine but then someone when you're with like a sword. People. I'm yeah. like whoa. Whoa. That's intense. Whoa. <laughs> you're, you you slayed level. Them. Yes. <laughs> We're weird. Like, I am I overtired? Right. I don't know. I think I am still like overtired. That's why I'm just like, whoa, man. <laughs> Uh, all right so (laughs) fast forward over over a year and a half later to Mm -hmm. september 4th 1970 okay so that was january 1969 this is september 1970 um to the small farming village of merlin ontario okay actually okay yeah okay have you heard of it i've legit never heard of this place i think i have but i don't know okay fair enough It, it says it's about 80 miles southwest of london okay so I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't sure. know. I feel like that's maybe like Mount Bridges area or something. 80 miles? What's that in kilometers? That's pretty far. Oh, that's pretty far. It's probably farther. That would be like, I have no idea. Nah, we'll look it up. <laughs> Just like an army. <laughs> I'm like, that would be like Africa. Oh, it's actually, no, it's 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 close to Chatham. That's what they okay, say. Okay, see, I yeah. was going to say that, but I didn't want to sound But I think it's silly. probably further south. Okay, okay. Than Chatham. But, um, so yeah, so we're in Merlin, Ontario, 1970. 57-year-old widow, Edith O.T.A., worked at the william pitt hotel in chatham okay um so she was working there over labor day weekend um and somehow some way the chambermaid slayer had made his way to chatham and was in the william pitt hotel bar Hmm. um and he ended up wait sorry oh yeah that is in chatham (laughs) you're having a becky moment i know i'm having a I moment i just like sat back and i was like yes it's happening to somebody else <laughs> so somehow again it's implied that he earned the trust of edith because he ended up back at her country home in nearby merlin on the evening of september 4th the next morning edith's friends stopped by as they were um i guess they all apparently carpooled to chatham together for work because right. they didn't like live in chatham um the door was unlocked, so they, they went inside to look for her. They thought that maybe she, like, slept through her alarm or something or whatever. Um, and they discovered her beaten and stabbed body um, lying face up on the floor at the back of her kitchen. There were two butcher knives that had been used repeatedly to stab and slash her in the throat and chest. Holy shit. Yeah. Huge, like, violent. Super violent. Very violent. Like, huge escalation. Yeah. An unused third knife was found nearby as if, as if it had been, like, he was going to use it, but then he just, like, He's abandoned like, oh, that I got the those frenzy other one of it all. Yeah. I mean, you already have two. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of confused as to what he was thinking he was going to do with yeah. the third. Swap them out. But really just <laughs> anyways, change. Um, she had also been bludgeoned with an iron. Ugh. yeah please tell me it wasn't turned on i do, it i feel like it would have said maybe i it said that it had been left out from her doing okay. her laundry earlier in the week i, can I have feel like it, there would mind. be burn marks or something yeah i, right? can have peace I mean of mind now. um the autopsy showed that edith had been um sexually assaulted and knocked unconscious and then further wounds had been inflicted after she had been knocked out to like mm. make sure that she was dead i guess Ugh. um Arntfield points out that um although it would have been known it wouldn't have been known at the time um but the crime scene being similar to that of jane woolley's crime scene and it sho- like showing signs of disorganized behavior yeah. like again frenzied behavior um it also showed signs of escalation obviously yeah. like we yeah. just said um pointing to he calls it an increasingly processed focused and thrill-seeking killer huh so someone seeking it more for 
the hunt like the, the, the hunt. thrill right yeah um like we just talked about yeah. the pleasure of it which <laughs> yeah. i don't understand but no can't understand that um so aside from the sexual assault on edith that had like actually been completed which it, it hadn't been on jane mm-hmm. um the two crime scenes looked very similar and the victimology was a perfect match like these women were like 62 and 57 they were both chambermaids at yeah. a hotel close um, in age like both lived alone yeah again so like he his victimology like michael arnfield points out that this is like some of the most specific victimology that he's ever seen it is very like particular it's very specific yes um both victims had they were similar in stature and appearance they were older females who lived alone both were heavy drinkers and smokers um willing to take a hotel guest back to their home both had their purses emptied and robbed and obviously both were chambermaids at low-end hotels mm-hmm. um the london police wouldn't have uh, been able to make this connection though as merlin was located in kent county because yeah. this is close to chatham right um falling within the jurisdiction of the chatham police it was also technically within opp jurisdiction okay so um a key player that will be mentioned a lot throughout this bleeding london series is dennis alsop Okay. Who was mentioned a lot in the Forest City Killer. Um, so he was an OPP officer who was stationed in Middlesex County. So in okay. London, surrounding area at the time. But again, he was an OPP officer. So he, he often worked in other counties on cases in like Elgin, Oxford and Norfolk County. Right. But because... Um, and he so he would have likely known about the Jane Woolley murder. But he couldn't have made this connection because Kent County was... It's more... It's further west... It's okay. just that little bit farther than some of these other counties that he worked in. And it just, the information simply just didn't make its way to London at the time. Right. Okay. That would make sense. From everything I've read about Dennis Alsop, if it had, he would have made that connection. He would have been like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, I he would see have what's seen going the on here. This is like way too similar. But because he just didn't hear it, they're looking into the Jane Woolley murder and then Chatham police are looking into this murder. Yeah. Basically. Right. And again, this is this, this is 1970. So we know that police jurisdictions are not communicating with each other no and it's not like everybody's got cell phones yet to be like texting each other being like hey check this out (laughs) (laughs) hey check this out hey check this out (laughs) yeah no exactly um so yeah so basically in murder city what michael arnfield kind of discerned from all this information was that the chambermaid slayer was a category three rapist so um he talks about being like a like a revenge rapist like not that that person's done something personal to you but that you're targeting a certain type of person victim yeah as a revenge on maybe something Someone. else again we've talked about like mommy issues and things yeah. like that and chambermaid so it's a issues possibility. Yeah. um and he was a sadist thrill killer who was targeting women of a uh, obviously a certain age and income hmm. so three and a half months later okay on january 22nd 1971 so that was september now we're in january the chambermaid slayer struck again mm. just before midnight um again on january 22nd so belva russell was 57 she worked at the merrill hotel in chatham okay it was an old inn where the bar was still divided into the like the men's and ladies sides oh I guess they used that was to a do thing that, i guess so oh my We're goodness too young to realize that yeah, oof. now they just throw them all together in a now mosh pit like yeah just yeah. do a thing <laughs> just don't throw up yeah (laughs) um so yeah i guess it was an older kind of style bar um belva was spotted sitting on the lady's side with a male acquaintance and she had uh just finished her shift earlier that day so she's kind of like starting her weekend i guess 
Um, Par- partying it up. Yeah. <laughs> woo. <Woo-hoo. laughs> woohoo. Not no, for Belle, though. Not woohoo. <laughs> no, not woohoo. <laughs> no. Um, she so she got up to go to the bathroom and was followed by another bar patron, which will later be identified as the chambermaid slayer. But no one in the room, obviously, at the time knew They're that. They're not like, oh, hey, there's the hey, chambermaid there's slayer. Hey, there's the chambermaid slayer. Because um, if that was the case, then. Yeah. Maybe maybe things would have gone differently for Belva. Maybe. Yeah. So she, so he followed her into the bathroom. Um, what they might have spoken about, obviously, nobody knows. No. Um, but, and, and again, no one knows whether they might have known each other before or, like, had met before or, like, she's completely random to him and he he clued into the fact that she was the hotel chambermaid and she was just sitting at the bar finished she had finished her shift but like maybe overheard something was like oh that's the chambermaid i need to go follow her yeah um because that's his type yeah so the slayer came back to the main bar um a little while later and asked if he could move to the lady's side to be closer to the cigarette machine um one cigarette of, machine yeah i know again sign of the times <laughs> what's a cigarette machine? <laughs> I, I would imagine you just like put a coin in and then and then and out comes a piece oh. of candy <laughs> like those candy cigarette sticks yeah 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 nobody smoked real cigarettes back then yeah this is a wholesome diet yes, bar this is a pg <laughs> podcast <laughs> oh. um so yeah you want to be closer to this thing the candy cigarette machine yeah one of the servers at the Mara Hotel, um, his name was William Betso. Okay. He pulled up a chair next to the Slayer and they kind of began to talk. And um, the Slayer introduced himself as Gerald Thomas Archer. <gasps> we have a name. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go. Um, from, <laughs> and he said he was from London, Ontario. Okay. So after William's shift ended, he, he went and sat with Gerald and drank with him for a while. And he, they got to talking and Gerald explained he had recently come to Chatham as a forest, a forestry laborer. And, and interesting enough, Michael Armfield points out that um, we now know, apparently, that a forestry laborer is the most common semi-skilled occupation amongst male serial killers. Oh. I know. I was like, what an interesting fact. I had no idea semi-skilled occupations so there might be more common skilled occupations but i guess a forestry laborer is like a really common occupation for male serial killers okay interesting literally had no idea we're gonna add that to our spreadsheet yeah oh my god yes yeah. <laughs> man i gotta update this spreadsheet already holy yeah <gasps> absolutely or i was gonna i was gonna say have you started it i have i'm oh, slacking i'm okay. slacking I didn't even know if you started it. So there you go. I'll, start, I'll share it with you. Yeah. There's like two names in there. <laughs> like, it's like yellow car. Yeah. It's literally like mom issues. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael Arnfield has his beat at the moment. Um, so yeah, he, he was working as a forestry laborer and that's why he came to Chatham. He'd also been working as a highway tree cutter along the 401 and 402 highways, um, okay. which as we know, connects London to many of the neighboring towns such yeah. as chatham and everywhere else excuse me okay so uh gerald said he lived on adelaide street in town with his wife and daughter um he was 57 years old mm, the same age as, as edith ota and belva russell yeah um at this point belva had come back from the washroom and was laughing and like chatting with the male acquaintance that she had been with a few tables over and as they're talking gerald says to william if she doesn't smarten up, I will have to kill her. And William's like, who, wait, who are you talking about? Yeah, and why? <laughs> and and 
uh, <laughs> I guess William said it was made apparent that Gerald was talking about Belva. Okay. Like, I don't know if he's like looking at her or something. Or, or, but and William was like, yeah, it was weird. But he was also like a drunk dude at the bar. And this is like a dive bar, so I think he's okay. just sort of like, okay, oh, what whatever. a what a seedy character. Like, yeah, yeah. Like uh, he's probably just I guess saying stuff. And he and he just called it a night at that point. William's like, okay, cool. Like I'm yeah. gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna turn in. Yeah. <laughs> I feel <laughs> On like that, that note, be, and that's my cue. <laughs> You're talking about murdering somebody. I'm just gonna y- go. You know what? It was nice getting to know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So although like no one can say really for sure, evidence suggests that belva left the bar and was followed that night back to her adelaide street home just a few blocks from where gerald and his family lived okay so he has a a real family that wasn't just a story yes no he had a wife and a child at this time holy a few hours after william had said that he had left the bar um belva's body was found in a pool of her own blood on her dining room floor um she had been severely beaten her face head and neck all had multiple fractures the scene suggested the killer hadn't spent spent long committing the murder um and indicated that belva may have been murdered because of a personal cause rather than there being like a sexual motive right because again the other crime scenes suggested that the killer spent more time there yeah and this one seemed very quick like i just need to get in killer and get out kind of thing and that's why they thought maybe there was more of a personal connection. Like, maybe they did know each other. Maybe, like, she was the one that he was seeking the revenge on. Maybe, like, right? So, again, who's to say? We can't really know for sure. But that's what the evidence kind of suggests, right? Yeah. Um, Chatham detectives began their investigation, obviously, at the Merrill Hotel. Because okay. that's where she worked and that's where she was that night. Um, and they had a chance to speak with William Betso. So, at that point... Uh, they were sort of like okay we think we know yeah who did it <laughs> yeah um because this guy obviously is like the only person in this book that's documented to like have a conversation with this man obviously other people did but like because like of, a documented yeah, yeah the investigators actually going and asking him and he sat and talked with this guy for a while hmm. and they were like okay everything kind of points to yeah and he did guy. talk about killing and her he did talk about <laughs> killing her right yeah so um there is like so this wasn't mentioned in murder city but there's a lot like there other than murder city there's very little information about gerald thomas archer even like it uh about his early life like i was mm-hmm. listening to a podcast michael armfield was like we don't know very much at all about his early life or anything like yeah. that and that's part of the reason why i bought the book because like even like when you look online there's like one wikipedia page and it's like four paragraphs and then every mm-hmm. single thing after that is just like the copy and pasted wikipedia page. yeah so i don't know if this is true because like michael arnfield didn't mention it but wikipedia does say that belva's body was discovered like minutes after her death by her common-law husband that she had lived with someone oh but again michael arnfield doesn't mention any of that so i'm kind of like how true yeah i don't know i i again i trust his it, research more than i trust a wikipedia page 100%. for sure but a lot of these pages mention that that like her common-law husband reginald tomlinson was like coming in as the killer was coming out what a name by the way reginald Reginald tomlinson (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i do feel like it would have been mentioned because it seems quite important that seems important so i'm not sure like if anyone reads anything about that again like i'm going off of this book which has been heavily researched and he doesn't mention anything about that but i just wanted to point that out because i feel like anyone who googles this case would read that and be like oh Oh, why didn't she mention that but i don't know for sure and maybe michael arnfield was like i've heard that and i can't confirm it so he didn't put it in there's a lot of possibilities i don't know but it it is mentioned 
in some articles. But um, so about a month later, after this murder in February 1971, Gerald was picked up for questioning over the death of Belva Russell. Um, Archer, Ar- Gerald Archer, was arrested and charged with non-capital murder of Belva Russell based off of the overwhelming circumstantial evidence against him. So again, they didn't, I guess, have any like super hard evidence on him. Okay. All of it was circumstantial, but it was enough to convict him. Yeah. Um, The trial began in June 1971 in Kent County. The jury consisted of 12 men who returned a verdict of guilty of non-capital murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment. And in response to the verdict, Gerald was dragged from the courtroom shouting, that's only the first strike against me. The ball game isn't over yet. Hmm. So obviously there's speculation that they only had evidence to charge him for Belva Russell's murder. Yeah. So some people are like, okay, what did he mean? Like, there's m- there's more you guys yeah. don't know about. Like, that's the first strike. But yeah, there's more kind of thing. Or it is seems he just like it? Not so. Like, I don't know. Uh, column A, column B. Yeah, a <laughs> little bit of both. A little sprinkle of both. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, there was only enough evidence to charge him with Belva Russell's murder. And after he went away, like no one really looked at him concerning any other murders yeah because again a lot of these jurisdictions still hadn't really made any connections on this yeah um and because it's it was the 70s and it's canada and this happens a lot (laughs) you know what i'm saying um gerald was released from prison he didn't serve life Ah, in prison he was released on parole in 19 you just love that i know i'm like oh you murdered someone but like no worries we're only gonna keep you for like 15 years you get a time out in the corner for two minutes if you're a good boy in prison then we'll let you out so you can kill again yes (laughs) but smart but with that being said um he was released on parole in 1985 um and they kind of in the book it's described as he was released on like an intentional walk meaning they were releasing him provided that he never came back to london or their surrounding areas kind of thing which i'm like okay i don't that's still not that's you're, so, like, like you're just like <laughs> hoping putting, he keeps his promise you're like putting your trash out for someone else to deal with you know what i'm saying yeah like that yeah. just doesn't make any sense and to also me. like you don't come back here it's but, like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah who's <laughs> keeping track of that though no. <laughs> um because i would be like i won't ha ha and then like well yeah go and, straight there <laughs> and i think also again i don't think he should have been released but um he was like in his like 70s to 80s in the 10 years following this so yeah. remember he was 57 when he went away yeah and then it was 15 years later so and there is no evidence that he harmed anybody or killed anybody ever again so they're basically assuming that he aged out like what criminology criminologists would say is like aging out where you're just like you're too old to like commit those crimes anymore yeah basically not that you don't want to but you just, you just can't really can't act it out anymore um he became a drifter moving from town to town throughout ontario staying in sketchy low rent accommodations kind of like the ones he used to hunt in yeah um until he died of a heart attack in 1995 um his body went unclaimed and he was he was buried with no service or or funeral um shortly after his death his estranged wife and daughter both came forward and told the police that gerald had once drunkenly bragged to them that he had killed edith ota plot twist yeah so (laughs) that is a big plot twist they both um felt it was like 
a drunken like cry for attention like they i guess a news story had come out about the murder and he had like read it and then he was like had a few drinks got drunk and he's like bra-. like she yeah. was like it wasn't even a confession it was like a brag where he's like yeah he just I wanted the credit for it yeah, yeah he's a hardcore and so sociopath. they were just sort of like okay like I, I, they didn't take it seriously at the time like, shut up um so but then they came forward because i mean he had passed away and i i mean i guess there's something to be said about like you could have come forward earlier but at the same time he had been released so yeah, like i don't know if out. i would have been saying anything no and to like be honest i know he was old but yeah. it's like i think that some people discount the fact that like this woman was married to him even if it was just for a short period of time like she probably knew she what probably he was physically capable of like and then like too like yeah if someone is bragging about that like even if your gut instinct is like oh they're kidding there is some degree of you that's like well were they serious why would yeah. they say that if yeah if they weren't and and yes he has been put away for murder before so mm-hmm. so then she's kind of thinking some degree of truth okay maybe we should tell someone and he's dead now so like he can't do anything to us yeah kind of thing there's no repercussion for her yeah n- now so least. gerald's body was exhumed in february 2000 to produce dna samples to be tested against samples from both um the edith ote and the jane woolley murders so okay. I don't know exactly who made that connection or whatever, but I guess this was 2000. So they were maybe like, now that they had they communication, could they were it. like, we're going to test it against both because these, again, the victimology was a perfect match. Yeah. And the crime scenes were almost identical. Yeah. So um, they tested them against both. Gerald's DNA matched samples extracted from the non-lipstick coated cigarette butts found in Jane Woolley's apartment. Wow. So the, originally the investigators were right that they were like, had to be that someone was likely there. his yeah. and thank goodness that someone took that cigarette sample and kept it, it for decades yeah you know what i'm saying like that it yeah. wasn't like mishandled or whatever because that's unfortunately what happened with the edith ota crime scene um evidence was just too mishandled they couldn't get a proper dna sample <sighs> from them from the evidence that they had left yeah. it's unfortunate um, that that happens so often because yeah. like that's usually like the make or break for a case absolutely yeah. absolutely so they the the i guess the good thing is that they could test it against jane woolley's crime scene and they confirmed that but he did confess to edith ota's murder yeah so even though the evidence was mishandled and and they couldn't technically prove it between his like drunken confession and again the victimology and the like similarities between the other two yeah um people basically consider edith ota a victim of gerald thomas archer it's more considered uncharged than it is unsolved makes if sense that makes sense yeah. like they're like we solved it it's just he's dead now we can't charge him yeah. for it we can't confirm the dna you know absolutely but this victimology this mo is too similar it's, and he confessed to it yeah so you know it checks too many boxes it's assumed yeah so um basically michael arnfield describes in his book that um something that's i guess sometimes called the jungle telegraph telegraph quote unquote okay um which is an underground system based solely on oral communication that was used at this time among like fringe type groups so like criminals yeah (laughs) like other groups i guess too but i think he's implying like criminals yeah um so through the system he believes that gerald thomas archer tuned into trends from other murderers in the london area such as how to exploit the city's geography and division of police jurisdictions Hmm. to not be connected right smart right yeah absolutely because it's not like he went 
like hundreds of miles away he went to one jurisdiction just far over, enough just yeah. far enough that like the information wouldn't have crossed yeah um he's basically saying like he had killed three women in under two years in three different areas under three different police departments and he also managed to stay off of the radar of dennis alsop who again was the like the guy the main dude at the time who was yeah. investigating all of these and the again, head honcho yeah very interesting that because if he was on his radar, he would have been on his he radar. He would have been. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he selected victims that he knew would not get a lot of media coverage. Um, unfortunately, just because of like their age and it's not sensational. Things yeah. Like that. Um, he chose women who worked in these kind of rundown hotels that he often went to because, um, you know, through observing them, they seemed lonely, vulnerable, and trusting of strangers in exchange for possibly just some company. Yeah just like enough to be like yeah you can come back to my apartment because like i don't i don't have no anything one ever else comes to do back to my apartment you know yeah. what i'm saying like which is just so sad yeah unfortunately um but it meant that gerald thomas archer hunted and killed for sport and he chose his victims to work in his favor yeah so that so, he could continue doing it yeah and that he could get a get away with it for the yeah. most part i mean obviously like he didn't get away with it but for two years he did and yeah again like he is a serial killer like, yeah that's what he's considered there's three victims and we know f almost for certain that those were all yeah. of his victims so and there might even be like more in other jurisdictions more, that we don't but know, we about. know for sure almost for certain that those three were his victims yeah. right so yeah so that's um that's the chambermaid slayer <laughs> crazy yeah crazy i i'm surprised that like living in london like our whole lives like i never heard of we it. had never heard of it and when you say the chambermaid slayer i'm thinking like 1800s oh yeah you know what i'm saying the, like, like that's why when you first told me like what we were doing i was like okay and this is part of like the london series how yeah. i was like this mm -hmm. is not local and again it's like yeah <laughs> like, like yeah some, it's crazy they were they weren't all in the middlesex county like yeah but surrounding areas and he's from london so it's still obviously considered in <laughs> yeah, these, yeah 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 um books as like he was a london serial killer yeah so it, again i just it's interesting because <laughs> i've never heard of this before crazy and that's the start to our bleeding london we're off chronicle chronicle series series, series well, of chronicles yeah. of chronicles of narnia i don't know <laughs> <laughs> any other words you want to throw up there yeah whatever whatever words and stuff we got good words yeah yeah great words great we're, words. we're good we're good at words we're good at words <laughs> I, like personally i'm real good at the words <laughs> i'm the goodest i'm the goodliest yeah. yeah that was crazy i'm like really excited to see like what other ones are because I, I don't know any of yeah, them like this is even, all you he's not even like the craziest like it's just he's the we're first. just warming up this is just the tip of the iceberg yeah, guys this is just a tip on that note <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah we're good yeah okay right. i hope you guys liked that yeah i hope you guys liked that i liked it that's cool all right so yeah sign up to be super cool join our cult of extremely awesome people who also love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how not get killed and if you ever want to chat and connect with us you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com or you can dm us or comment on our posts on instagram at how to not get killed and you can also follow us on twitter at h2ngk 
thanks for listening and oh and like and subscribe and oh yes. leave us reviews on apple podcast do that i love reading those and yeah me too yeah and thanks guys and five stars makes us look good and keep it sleazy okay bye okay bye